Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. It's Judy Stevens. It's Sana Manith. I, I, <laughs> did you just forget your name? <laughs> I kind of did. I don't know why I'm so tired. That's what happens. It's, this is what we happens. We partied so hard yeah. in 2019. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But I am excited because we're speaking with the very incredible Ali Maki. She is an actor, an activist in some senses. She played Minna Hess on Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. And she voiced Giggle McDimples in Toy Story 4. So... I met Allie at the D23 event, which if you guys do not know what it is, it's a big fan celebration of Disney. And so that's where they showcase a bunch of their content that they're doing for the upcoming year. And we got to talk a little bit about some of what we were doing at Marvel as well. And her universe invited me very graciously to a panel called Heroines of the Disney Galaxies. And we had a bunch of incredible women on there. And Allie in particular was talking a lot about her struggle to become an actor and some of the things that she was very passionate about. And she started talking about the Asian American Girl Club, which is an apparel company that is said to redefine what it means to be a modern Asian American woman. She's the founder and director of it. And the more she talked... I was like, oh, this woman is so cool. She's so talented. Afterwards, I was like, really, just I want you to come hang out with us. You're already in the Marvel family, but I think we have a lot to talk about. So um, I'm so happy she was able to join us. And I know, Judy, you got along with her. She was so much fun. (laughs) And actually, when I met her at D23, she gave me like a little Asian American Girl Club care package because I was like, I want to be a part of this, too. And so I very proudly wear her T-shirt. So let's welcome Allie to the podcast. I am so honored to be here. (laughs) We are so thrilled to have you here, Allie, because so Allie and I ran into each other Mm -hmm. or met each other for the first time. Yes, at D23. Yeah, the heroines of the the Disney Disney Galaxies (laughs) panel. Can I say, though, that that looked like an amazing group of women on stage? I wish I had been there. I was going to cry. There was girls in the audience that said that they were like sobbing. And it was just one of those moments. It was really, it was really beautiful. I remember walking into the green room and being like, wait a minute, we're both Marvel people. How have we not, how are we meeting at this location for the first time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we learned about each other on stage. I remember when you were talking, I was looking at you like, oh, dang. dang. Oh, that's cool. I, I mean, that was like the beauty of that panel, though, was hearing these incredible women speak. You know, you've done a lot at this point in your career. I mean, you're an actress. You're an activist also. I feel like you have done so much talking about the work and also talking about your passion. How was that experience, you know, different for you in terms of being within the Disney family and being amongst sort of other fellow creators within Disney? I mean, it's such a crazy feeling. I pinch myself every day that I'm even a part of this family because I feel like I grew up on these stories. I mean, the Marvel characters themselves are kind of what taught me how to, you know, be strong and have confidence in myself and along with the Disney characters and I mean, Pixar as well. It's like all of these characters, I can't believe that I'm here a part of the world in any way, in any capacity. (laughs) I mean, I think it's really special what Marvel and Disney do because a lot of their characters, they 
they cross so many barriers. Like you don't have to be a certain race or gender. It's just, you, you know, it's, it's more about your, your inner strength and confidence. So I, I draw a lot of inspiration from all of the movies. It's crazy. Well, you're also playing like broadly across Disney. So you've played Giggle McDimples. Yes. And then you also, you play Minahas in Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger. And, Obviously, two very distinct kinds of yes, roles. But kind of, there's so many things where they're alike, too, which is yeah. amazing. I mean, they're these powerhouse women that have so much to say and are so passionate. Like, I think Giggle and Mina are the most passionate women I think I've ever, definitely ever played. And yeah, they have so many similarities, which is so cool. I mean, as someone who's been acting since you were super young, yeah. like, what is it like for you to be able to play roles that aren't typically typecasted to maybe someone like you? Yeah, I mean, man, I've been out in L.A. for so long. I got scouted when I was 14 from a really small town in Washington State. So I'm from Kirkland, home of Costco. Very exciting stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real place. Everyone's always like, Kirkland's signature. That's awesome. Um, but it was definitely like our family was like one of the only Asian-American families within our town. It was a very small town. And, you know, you look on screen and in magazines, you didn't see a lot of girls that look like us on any sort of media forms. So when I moved to L.A., I, I kind of just thought of myself as I'd watch TGIF and be like, oh, I, you know, I could be Tiffany Amber Thiessen, whatever. I just thought of myself as this, like all-American girl. And it wasn't until I moved to L.A. when I was 14 that it was all of a sudden like, oh, no, 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 you're not that. You're going to only be this. And that was when the kind of boxes started being put around me of, well, no, you're the sidekick or you're the best friend or you're the nerdy girl with glasses or you love math or you have an accent. So I had a really hard time in my pivotal teen years to young adulthood of kind of finding where I fit in because I always felt like I wasn't Asian enough or I was too Asian. So that kind of, I think, is what led me now to feeling so strongly about the Asian American female identity because it is so specific. It's like kind of wedged right there in between mm -hmm. where I'm fourth generation Japanese American. So I was born here. My parents were born here. My grandparents were born here. And my great great grandparents immigrated from Japan. So it's like my Americanization is just so deep. And, you know, the Japanese American community in itself is like been here for so long. Um, you know, my grandma was 16 when she was put into the internment camps. Um, she went to the one in Heart Mountain, so she was 16 years old, and I always think about that. And after the camps um, were closed, they everyone left with $25 and a bus ticket. That's insane. Everything taken from them. Yeah. And yet they still persevered, and the whole community was resilient, and they just said, you know what? Okay, we got to start over, and that's what we're going to do. So. And that's also, like, as American as you can get. It's like I've right. been put through the pain, the torture of proving myself as an American, did it with no complaints. Yeah. And then you go out into the world, and you're like, well, wait, actually, they're they're challenging my Americanness. Right, exactly. I know. And, and it's crazy because at that same time, you know, my grandma was 16, and she met my grandfather in the camps because he was from Montana. So he was not on the West Coast. So his family was able to come visit, cross this white line and bring, you know, gifts or whatever and cross the line and walk right back out, even though they were also Japanese American. It's just that wow. they did not live on the West Coast. And he was later drafted into the 442nd unit, which is the all Japanese American unit within the American Army. And they are still to this day the most highly decorated unit in the American Army history. You should really write a story about this. Girl, it's already <laughs> in the works. Oh, I mean, that would be spoiler the project alert. of my life. Did we announce it here? Yeah. <laughs> Do we get the exclusive? And are they superheroes? So it's Marvel. 
(laughs) (laughs) But it is that is those are the elements of what it actually means to be a hero. I mean, we talk about, you know, the realness of the Marvel superhero experience. And it's about those qualities of persevering in real everyday kinds of struggles. Yes. And I, those are the stories that, like we really need to hear. I think that's what you know we get excited about. But yeah. how you are taking experiences that you and your family have had and obviously making them a part of your own story, but sharing that with the world. Yeah. And, you know, I carry her legacy and her memory with me every single day in every project I do, just because that spirit, I think, is always innately inside of me because of growing up with her stories about it, because she never complained about it. It was always just like, nope, that, that's what happened. You know, you just move past and you move through it. And I, I see so much of that within Mina and Giggle. It's like mm-hmm. there are these women that have been kind of knocked down and passed over again, but are so brilliant and have so much to give to the world. And they're in these male-dominated fields. Mm-hmm. You know, one's a cop and one is a woman in STEM. Mm-hmm. And they're both here trying to just knock down any door possible. And so you see these just like this fierceness that... I am very drawn to when I play characters. I think that's just your personality also. (laughs) (laughs) Well, same. I always think because it was, I was 14 when I moved here and I do believe it was an industry that wasn't necessarily like, hey girl, like we're ready for you. (laughs) Like (laughs) here's all the cool roles, you know? So it was, I bring a lot of that too. I'm just like, I'm going to knock down this door and I don't care what anyone says. It seems that's where you got a lot of your passion and excitement to build the Asian American Girls Club, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think always just feeling like for our specific identity, we weren't really being seen and highlighted. And I wanted to highlight the women of the past, like my grandmother's generation. Or, I mean, there were so many, like, Asian-American female activists, you know, back in the day that no one's ever heard of or people don't even know about the internment camps or, you know, just all of that sort of stuff really inspires me. But a lot of it was because of my own experiences. I felt like I never had any Asian American girlfriends and I kind of looked around and I was like that's really sad that mm-hmm. that makes me sad that I feel that I can't like reach my hand out to a girl that's been through exactly what I feel like I've been through and be able to talk about it you know I think there's a lot of there's a lot of silence within our culture and I wanted to be able to kind of break that down and say, we are stronger when we're together. We're going to, like you and I, when we mm-hmm. met, it was like we just locked eyes and we're like, you <laughs> and me, like, let's do something. And it's, you're going to get so much more accomplished that way. And it it's filled my soul in a way that's like unbelievable. I felt like it's this thing I've been missing my whole life because I, I only had brothers growing up. <laughs> oh, my God, same. Really? Oh, that explains no so much. Yes. <gasps> I always felt like I didn't even know how to have a girlfriend. Like, I was always just like, uh, hey, hey, dude, like, what's up? I, I thought that know. the way that you interacted with, with humans for the first time was, like, challenging them to a fight. Because that's what I used to do when I was younger. My All my brother's friends were over and they were, like, play fighting. And I used to challenge them. Be like, yo, I can fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't at all. Right, right, right. It was not a good idea. So clearly it had issues. But, okay, so why don't you actually just talk about what the club is all about? Because when I heard about it, I thought it was just so fantastic. I offered to build a South Asian branch, which I'm still offering to build. <laughs> I would yes. love it. Oh um, but talk about where the idea came from and like what it's doing right now and, and what the mission statement's all about. Yeah. Well, it actually was built off of <laughs> this meeting I took. Um, there was a couple of people that were like, oh, you know, you should really start some sort of brand or company. And I was like, okay, I never thought of myself as like an entrepreneur or anything like that. And I took a meeting and it was headed by 
a very strong male energy. And I remember leaving that meeting and them basically saying they wanted to own about 85% of it and own everything that I did and touched and created. It was one of those moments where you just felt completely stripped as a person, all of your power completely taken out from under you. And I went home that night and I just, I felt defeated. And then I kind of had this really strong realization. I was like, why do I need to go to somebody else to start something that is from my own heart and from my own experiences? And it kind of just clicked in that moment. I was like, I can do this on my own with other women that look like me. And that was kind of just where this whole thing started. And I couldn't get this idea, this this Asian American Girl Club, out of my head. Because growing up, I was the girl who joined all of the clubs. Like brownies, um, tap, ballet, jazz, um, science club. But I would quit everything. And I always thought of myself as a quitter. But I think a lot of it was because... A club that's designed to feel inclusive, I always felt excluded from. It was just something that I always felt. So I always felt like clubs were the loneliest place for me. So I wanted to flip that out of its existence and turn it on its head and say, a club is for everybody. You should feel like the best person alive when you're in a club. And so that's kind of our mission statement is that, you know, it's created by us but made for all. And everyone is welcome, including allies. You don't have to just be Asian American and you don't have to be female. And South Asians are so much a huge part of what we do. One of the first things that happened was South Asian girls would start to message us and be like, please include us in this narrative because we are so often left out of the Asian American experience. And that kind of blew my mind open, too, because I never really thought about it like that, how how I felt excluded from this narrative, then they further felt, it's like this weird web of like, they felt excluded from our experience. So for me, it's all about just complete inclusion of everyone. And we do our best to like, you know, tell everyone's stories and make sure everyone is seen and heard. And it's been so phenomenal. Like, I can't believe the women from all across the world And I will say social media is hard sometimes, but it's so beautiful because I've been able to go down in the DMs Mm -hmm. only with women and say hello. You know, we just had a brunch this morning with like women I never met before in New York, but only through DMs or Asian American Girl Club. And you guys are on Instagram um, Mm -hmm. and just looking through your Instagram posts and seeing all the different women who are just wearing your clothing yeah. and just the inspiring quotes. It is really lovely to see. It is It is when you're like, all right, I'm okay with the internet and I'm okay with social right. media. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This exactly. is what's out there. <laughs> exactly. <I'm good> <laughs> and it was crazy because we released a logo at like 11 at night. And I was just like, I don't know if anyone's going to care about this or if they're going to, you know, because the internet is scary if they're going to like smash it down. And we were just like, just release it. So at 11 at night, we just released the name. And I swear the next morning our inbox was flooded with emails and messages. Like we had girls that were writing full dissertations, like college style essays that I felt like they were writing from my own mind. And of course, it's like Asian American girls are like, like so awesome. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> so dedicated. Yeah. yeah, so dedicated. And um, and that's when I kind of knew I would, I would read them. And I just sob. I was like, how do you how do you know me through and through? 
What's really interesting to me about that story, aside from what you've accomplished, it is just this idea, and I've talked about this a lot with my friends, but the Mm -hmm. idea of owning your own narrative um, and your own power, particularly as a woman, particularly as a minority. Mm -hmm. And, And I think we're at this weird turning point where we're trying to obviously make our own stories but find a way to own them because there's right. a lot of other elements in play. It's like sort of that businessman that you were talking to right. and him wanting to sort of benefit and profit off of you and your narrative. Right. How do you go about doing that, like taking that sense of ownership back? I mean, obviously, I don't know if there's one right answer, but based on your experiences, how do you take that ownership back in a way that you can offer also advice to people about being able to bring that to the choices that they make in their everyday and professional lives? I mean, there's so much I can say, but number one I always say is just start to make your own content, whatever that is, whatever capacity. Because quick story, I made this random video on a weekend with like my dog and my friend like outside of my house just for no reason other than I just I saw this idea in my head the way that no one else could see it because we're all uniquely ourselves and I made it and it barely got any views like no one cared about it I thought it was like a total failure and a year later I got a letter in the mail from Pixar that said dear Ali we'd love for you to be part of this film called Toy Story 4 no way I have it framed in my office you got a physical letter that's amazing Girl, I got like a cool fancy letterhead like thick old school paper with like Mr. Incredible on the top like a little drawing of him, and then like a typed out letter and like hand signed by Jonas Rivera, who's um, what? Uh, yeah, no, just can you imagine getting that letter in the mail one day? You're just like, this is a joke. No, that's the joke. best. This that's is the best. That's an amazing story. Yeah, that's and the then, opening scene to your movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and along with that, they sent like a box of all the movies, a Pixar hat and merch, and then like a CIA black folder that you open it and it basically gives you the story points and original concept drawings of Giggle McDimples which originally she was in a pink and purple dress with like curly hair and then they were finally like we're giving her a job she's gonna be a cop which was awesome so yeah and I I asked them about that and they said that at Pixar they just like to cast the authentic person that is the heart and soul of the character and they saw someone at Pixar saw that video like that's crazy to me no one saw that video bravo that is the best story I've heard about First of all, getting a job, but also just being your own authentic self. Yeah, that's amazing. And I I love to tell that story because I always think back if I had not made that video because I was too tired or I I didn't believe in what I wanted to say because I didn't think anyone cared, then this would have never happened. So I think the best things in life always come from you just being authentically yourself and saying what you want to say to the world and telling your story the way that only you can because no one else is going to tell your story the way you can. That's so true. And that's not to say, like, you're going to walk in and then be like, you're in Toy Story because of it. But it's so important because there will be people out there and you don't know how it could change their life or you don't know who's watching and and maybe they identify with it in some way. Totally. I think art exists in the nuances. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is that is what's beautiful about Asian American Girl Club. It's like I never saw those girls out there that I needed to see and meet it's through the internet that we've been able to find each other. And I think that is really beautiful because, like, the girl in Ohio who's the only girl in a small town or the next generation of girls growing up, like, I said this at the panel, all I want is for 
the next generation to feel what I'm feeling at a much younger age. And they are. They're yeah. 12 years old, and their their realities are so much different than ours. And they're so much smarter than us <laughs> already. Girl. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, totally. I mean, they have a lot more being thrown at them because, like, yeah. because social media is so intense and you can, yes. you know, touch it in a way. Mm-hmm. But they are, at the same time, because they're seeing people like you and they're seeing people – that are very like-minded I think that's I mean that's really where I hope they get their strength from oh absolutely and I mean Gen Z are gonna change the world I mean that's what Mm -hmm. I have Gen Z on my team because I'm like okay what are the kids doing what's happening (laughs) what are the kids doing you guys are a mile a minute can't keep up with you but it's awesome well do you have any outside of Asian American Girl Club is there any social channels any upcoming projects that you want to throw out to yes you can follow me at at Ali Maki on Instagram, Twitter, and most social platforms. And go watch Cloak and Dagger. I think you can stream both seasons on Hulu. And it's so good, you guys. It's it's another show where I just, I just cry watching it because there's there so many issues and they're tackled with such subtlety. And Joe Pekoski does a fantastic job of being such a team leader. So, Also, I have to say your introduction was just really well done so oh fantastic you're a captivating so I was like oh my god who is that <laughs> so I had to learn French oh. I had to be in we were in waiters we were in a swamp yeah oh, but that's it was, a whole other story <laughs> it was oh my yeah it was really intense but also a very sweet storyline too and I love nicely it. done I mean quick story after that swamp scene we it was like a female director a female writer Jenny Good and Olivia and I and we all came out from behind the monitors and everyone had tears in their eyes because it was like when do you see two women walking through a swamp talking about science like that's awesome in New Orleans after Katrina is like beautiful that is awesome so I love those moments where you're doing work together and you're like oh my god it's only women here Right, yeah, I love you right. guys. Like, oh, this is like really important yeah. and really special. So, yeah, and hopefully, be the norm for the next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Where can people find the Asian American Girl Club? Oh, you can go to our Instagram at Asian American Girl Club or AsianAmericanGirlClub.com and join the club. I mean, you're already in the club. We're Everyone's in the club in. and be undefinable. That's our thing because no one can define you. Because you are awesome. Oh, I like that. And get a shirt. Get a shirt. Yeah. Yes. Buy the merch. <laughs> Buy so yes. much of the merch. You are part of the club. No, thanks. Everyone's part of the club. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Allie. This has been amazing. Love you guys. Thank you. Thanks again to Ali Maki for joining us. If you haven't seen her in Marvel's Cloak and Dagger yet, you can stream seasons one and two on Hulu, on demand, or freeform.com. So if you want to hear more from Ali, as I'm sure you do, she was also a guest on the Marvel After Show podcast last year. And the Marvel After Show podcast is hosted by Lorraine Sink and Angelique Rocher. And they went behind the scenes of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger season two, episode by episode. And Allie is a guest on one of the episodes called Shadow Selves. And as Allie mentioned, you can find out more about the Asian American Girl Club at AsianAmericanGirlClub.com and get some of their very, very cool merchandise. Go highly, buy the merch. Get the merch. Highly recommend. And tune in next week for a bonus episode. We are welcoming Elizabeth Hurley, who joined the cast of Marvel's Runaways this season as Morgan Le Fay. I hope you guys are ready for a smashing year. This is Marvel. Your universe. This episode of The Woman of Marvel was produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg. It was hosted by me, Judy Stevens. And me, Sana Manith. 
Our development manager is Karen Heffa, and Jill Duboff is our director of audio. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>